ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to yet another episode of Talks with Terry. As always, I am Terry, and I'm finally going to buckle down and do another episode. And it's it's getting harder a little bit to to do episode ideas, to like come up with actual episode ideas and work with them. And so that's that's the only reason why I have been as consistent as I would like to be. But I'm working on that. There's a lot of things uh, going on, um, which I will uh, I'll talk about later uh, in the episode right now but you know i'm gonna switch veins just a little bit and uh it's time for like a movie review because i've done this so many times um i think this is the first time actually but anyway uh there was a new movie that uh came out or it's been out for a couple of months now um but i finally got around to watching it uh, and I wanted to give my two cents on it because uh, I did thoroughly enjoy it and I do enjoy the subject matter of it. And uh, this is going to be another nerdy podcast, um, but that movie that I'm going to talk about is um, The Suicide Squad, which was the new one uh, done by director James Gunn with uh, such big names as Idris Elba, um, John Cena, and a whole host of others, just a, a really big all-star cast. And I I wanted to sort of talk about it because everyone else has talked about it. Everyone who's big in the comic book scene, the nerd scene, uh, the, you know, the movie scene, they've, they've already talked about it. And I was a bit late to the game, but, you know, better late than never. And I just kind of wanted to give my personal analysis into... Uh, how I thought the movie did well, how some of the things that didn't struggle so well, and just, you know, sort of go over it, make a nice, short, neat little episode about it. Um, and, uh, you know, shout-outs to uh, some of my buddies, especially uh, my buddy uh, Aaron, uh, for, you know, sitting down and being willing to talk with me about what we both enjoyed and what uh, we both felt was a bit lacking uh, in terms of this new movie, and so I'll talk about some of the stuff that he brought up as well, but, um, but yeah, without further ado, uh, let's get into it, so, you know, for the uninitiated, this is the second Suicide Squad movie we've gotten in the past few years, uh, the first one, uh, that came out, um, that had, uh, Marco Robbie and Will Smith and Jared Leto as the Joker and I think Jai Courtney was Captain Boomerang and all of that um, it received very mixed reviews but I think overall people were not big fans of it um, as a movie mainly because it tried to it tried too hard to focus on too many characters and give them all like the main character sort of spotlight um the motivations of the characters were sort of all over the place a lot of um a lot of plot holes were put in you know were put in place there was a lot of sort of mispotential um and overall it was you know it was not something that people could associate with the name of the suicide squad which if you're not uh, if anyone listening isn't really up to date on uh, comics or comic book history, the Suicide Squad is basically a team of uh, DC supervillains um, that they, you know, while in prison, they are conscripted into this squad to go out and do uh, seemingly impossible missions um, when, you know, the government can't just call upon any... Ever- everyday superhero um you know they do a lot of hush hush stuff and of course there's suicide squad because they are you know they are assumed to the expectation is that they're going to die on the mission because that's how serious these missions were um so yeah anyway the first one you know i i saw it in bits and pieces and i saw everyone on the internet tear into it and I and I agreed with a, a lot of it 
uh, with a lot of those criticisms. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of it. Some of the characterization of the you know DC villains did not come across very well. Um, you know they had people like Killer Croc who didn't really do anything the whole movie. You had uh, someone like Deadshot, who was Will Smith's character, who uh, was kind of all over the place as being like, you know, the wisecracking type of guy. Whereas I think Deadshot in the comics is more of just the the grizzled sort of mercenary assassin character. Um, so there was oh, there was a lot wrong, and so with this one, the new James Gunn Suicide Squad. It was, you know, almost a completely different cast, and it set out to be something, um, you know, completely out of the mold from what the first movie was. Um, it, I does it looks like neither of them are associated with each other, which is nice. Um, at least that's what I believe. And uh, and yeah, let's just you know we're gonna just dig right into it and see you know and go over some of the the differences between the two movies and we're gonna look at the new one and see how it just sort of stacks up on its own. Um, so first of all, I, it's it kind of helps and it definitely helps me to explain that you know James Gunn. Uh, the one who directed this one, he was also uh, the director for the Guardians of the Galaxies, which, um, which are great movies. Um, those also have really good all-star cast members, and um, you can definitely see the influence of uh, James Gunn and um, uh, his work on Guardians of the Galaxy with the Suicide Squad. It is very much the same ragtag team of individuals who don't really want to be in the situation that they are in. Um, they're sort of the reluctant heroes at first, uh, and then sort of grow into, into being more of, you know, the hero aspect. And, uh, that comes across really well in the suicide, in the new Suicide Squad. Um, one of the main differences that immediately jumps out, and from this point on, by the way, I'm just going to throw out spoilers, uh, spoiler warning, uh, if you want to go uh, see the movie before I spoil anything, because I will get into that. But, um, so yeah, starting out with that, first of all, uh, James Gunn kind of makes fun of the beginning of the first Suicide Squad movie, because there is the whole opening scene is um, this uh, this one random supervillain character, this old guy. I think his name was Savant, uh, and he uh, is getting put into the Suicide Squad. And you know he meets his ragtag team of villains, um, and those villains are him, Captain Boomerang. Uh, Margot Robbie makes her appearance again as Harley Quinn, which is great. She's uh, really good for that role. Um, and then then it gets into the weirder stuff. There is um, Javelin, uh, who is just a guy with a javelin who's good at throwing it, I guess. Um, there's a, a character called TDK, which stands for the Detachable Kid, otherwise known as... Um, arm fall off guy whose whole power is he can pop off his arms and control them from a distance or whatever who everyone was excited to see just as a joke character um there was a character that pete davidson played i forget who he was he was sort of just your average mercenary type kind of scuzzball uh thing there was um there was a, I think, like an alien or mutant sort of woman called Mongal, who, I don't know, she just kind of looked like a Gamora ripoff, to be honest. She's not alive very long. Uh, and there's also Weasel, who's just this human-sized weasel hybrid thing. Doesn't say a word. Kind of weird. Only there for sight gags, I guess. Um, also dies immediately. And so, getting to this very first opening scene, James Gunn immediately, like, throws 
any expectations of his movie being the exact same as the previous Suicide Squad movie by everyone in the opening scene is dead. It, like, dies on screen. Like, literally at, I think, the five-minute mark, Pete Davidson's face gets just blown off. Um, you know, pretty soon, at pretty soon, it just all the horrible ways people are dying. Captain Boomerang dies. Uh, Mongal goes down. Uh, Javelin, the detachable kid, um, they all go down. Weasel, of course, is dead. Uh, Savant, uh, Savant gets killed off because uh, he ends up being a deserter, all this kind of stuff. And it, that's where the credits come in. And it's over this, you know, slow, beautiful song of like, haha, look at this. You know, this is the Suicide Squad kind of thing. And then it's revealed that that was, you know, that team was uh, sort of meant to be a diversion for the real team that has all of the main heavy hitters um, of the of of the Suicide Squad, uh, which is Idris Elba uh, playing Bloodsport, who uh, in the comics is known for being a deadly accurate mercenary. Um, with a wide variety of weapons, but also he's used kryptonite bullets, and so uh, he has uh, actually defeated Superman uh, at least once or twice by using his kryptonite bullets. And that's why in the movie uh, it said, you know, this is Bloodsport, he's the guy that put Superman in the ICU. Um, and Idris Elba plays the character really well, um, and then there is um, there's John Cena's character, who is Peacemaker. Um, you know, very flashy, patriot, uber patriotic, patriotic dude, whose whole thing is basically, I'll kill whoever I want as long as it, you know, uh, as long as it go towards peace. Um, which of course is sort makes a funny moral dilemma down the road because it's like you know, this isn't going to bring peace, and it's like, oh yeah, it will, it's fine. Um, so, and actually, I'll talk about this a bit more later, uh, you know, even just being a wrestler and still sort of, you know, finding his footing, I think, in the acting world, John Cena plays this role great. It is like, it's, you know, he hits all the humor points, he hits the drama and action points, nothing seems forced or anything. I think he played the character really well. Um, then there is, uh, there is a, the character uh, uh, Ratcatcher, or Ratmaster, Can't, I always get the names mixed up. Um, but specifically they are Ratcatcher 2 because their father was the original Ratcatcher and she has the ability to control all rats. Um, and she, it, you know, she comes off really well. She's, you know, the young female uh, lead, sort of. And she kind of ends up being the moral center of the group, which is nice. Um, she actually is very useful, has a lot of agency uh, for herself. Um, and, you know, she, the, she's very compelling, and I, you know, I like what they did with her character as well. Um, the, then there's uh, one of my favorites, which is um, King Shark. Uh, he's just a big CGI, half-man, half-shark uh, kind of creature from the ocean. I believe they got... I believe my buddy said they got, like, Sylvester Stallone to voice him, which is funny because he only says, like, a couple of words, like, at a time, you know. It's it's a really weird thing that Hollywood does. They get, like, these, you know, big-name actors who've been in tons and tons of stuff, and they're like, hey, you're not actually going to be on screen. We just need you to, like, voice these characters and they say like three words the entire movie like like is it I keep forgetting these very simple movie facts that a lot of people ask because I think Groot in uh, in the Guardians of the Galaxy in his older form I think is just Vin Diesel 
saying I am Groot, like that kind of thing. It's super, it's super interesting to me. Um, there's also Polka Dot Man, who was sort of a weirder um, villain from uh, that Batman fought, I believe. Um, and his whole thing is he throws out polka dots and it, his story has changed a lot over the years whenever they try to bring him back in and his you know the main story that they're sticking with is he has some weird like interdimensional virus or whatever that was implanted in him and you know he has to expel polka dots every few hours or whatever otherwise he'll just like collapse in on himself um, and basically whatever his polka dots touch, they just disintegrate. Like they just go, go really, go away really well. Um, and he, he was a funny character too. Uh, just cause he was like the weird character with, you know, socially awkward issues and everything. Um, that ends up being, uh, that ends up being surprisingly a big help in some areas and, you know, sort of the biggest mystery, um, there's also Rick Flagg, who is the standard government attache, you know, Navy SEAL type. All he's got is a gun, and that's all he needs, and he's the sort of the handler for everybody. And, of course, like I said, um, uh, there's Marco Robbie as Harley Quinn. Uh, she survives the opening scene, and uh, she reinserts herself in later. Um, I'm pretty sure I got everybody in the cast. So again, it's a great cast. Um, sort of talking about, sort of going back to what I was saying before about uh, characters. Their characterizations really well because they do the reluctant hero thing where none of them want to be there. They're only do it doing it so that they can get time off their sentence or they can, you know, not die basically. Uh, and what's interesting, especially around Idris Elvis's character, is that Idris Elvis's character has a young daughter, and uh, they hate each other. You know, they, you know, they're very loud and negative towards each other. But um, the, you know, the evil sort of director woman of the Suicide Squad basically says, "I'm going to extort you. I'm going to extort your daughter." and you know she'll go to prison uh she'll be tried and uh she'll be tried in court as an adult and go to prison unless you do what i say um and that's you know that's something that the character amanda waller does really well she's the very cold calculating type uh that runs the suicide squad and you know holds everyone you know holds everyone sort of in the palm of their hand to use as she as uh, she sees fit, um, and uh, the I I'm blanking on the actress's name who plays her, uh, but they do a very good job. Um, so, kind of go I guess kind of going in through it without giving too much away. Uh, the story beats are done really well um, because. It's sort of it's one of those story beats that you can really kind of play out in um, in sort of acts or movements uh, like you would any good show. And they really and that, you know, allows you to keep track of the goals of what everyone's doing. So it starts. We got to get on the beach. That's that happens. Then it moves to the jungle scene and then it moves uh, it starts moving into the city, uh, and then it goes into uh, the scene of rescuing Harley Quinn, and then it goes into the laboratory, um, which was their main objective all along, and then it sort of goes outside of that into uh, the rest of the city uh, to try and uh, stop the main threat, which, um, which I'm really surprised they did. Uh, for this threat, their main threat ends up being, uh, you think it's going to be some random dictator or like the mad scientist character, but actually, it is the uh, it's the supervillain or villainous creature from DC whose name is Starro, who is literally just a giant alien starfish, 
um, who the movie states was found in space and uh, captured by the Americans and sent to this um, sort of uh, remote island nation um, under a tyrannical government in order to uh, be studied on uh, for its mind control properties because it sprouts tiny little versions of itself, attaches to people's faces, and um, can uh, control them as it sees fit. Um, very brutal, too. Um, but, you know, in Starro, it appears a lot in the comics, too. There, It's uh, kind of a cosmic-level threat, and so it was interesting that um, they sort of pulled... Uh, they sort of pulled this thing where if you're a comic book fan, then you know who Starro is. But if you're someone who's not, um, who's not well aware of the comics from which these movies are made from, uh, it kind of throws you for a loop and it sort of breaks the mold a bit because it's not some, uh, it's not some humanoid magical thing that can be taken out with a couple of punches. It's this, you know, giant alien force that sends an entire country's worth of people after you. Um, and so I was really I was really glad to see that um, they went out of the box, which I'll say a lot of uh, these directors that are doing comic book movies are doing really well about um, looking outside of the more traditional well-known names of you know Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, everything, and all the you know the here the heroes and the villains that we've seen dozens and dozens of times now, and they're saying let's look for the more obscure people and tell their stories because they are also um, really interesting, and that's one of the reasons why this Suicide Squad um, really stands out because um, you all writ you know, like people who are uninitiated already know very little about the heroes quote-unquote of the suicide squad um but this latest one says we found even the 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 weirder ones the ones that you know some of them haven't shown up since like the old pulp comics or whatever um and so that that's really uh that was another detail i i very much liked um, they had some very good uh, action scenes, um, very fluid, um, not too many uh, cuts or unnecessary cuts because you can tell in certain movies where there's a lot of action going on where they'll just cut back and forth in between, you know, the main character fires a gun, cuts to whoever, you know, cuts to whoever they shot and back and all over the place. And in some movies it can be very disorienting. And Marvel sometimes does this a lot, too, especially in their earlier movies where it cuts a bunch during a fight scene and it's really hard to follow along, you know, who's doing what, who's winning, that kind of thing. Uh, Thankfully for this one, uh, since everyone is, you know, since everyone mainly uses guns and stuff or whatever to shoot, uh, it's you're able to pull the camera back and see things more in a wider shot. Um, they do a great job of sort of setting up. This is the arena where everything is going on. And then you can uh, clearly see how the characters are progressing through the shot and how they are taking out enemies. They have very creative ways of taking them out um, so that you don't get too bored uh, with just one guy pulling out a gun and, uh, shooting some other guy um it's uh it's done it's done very well and it um the fights are varied enough to where uh you they each can stand out not just because they're all in different scenes in different parts of the movie but because um there's a unique aspect to it um like there's a bar fight where they don't really use their guns they stick to more of a hand-to-hand combat thing then there's another fight that takes place in like a crowded cubicle space um where polka dot man sort of helps steal the show which is nice uh and then there is one of the climactic fights with uh, rick flag and uh, peacemaker um which uh it wasn't my f- i could have been a bit better in terms of a fight i believe um, but it it still had a lot of uh, 
a lot of good um, action beats to it. Um, cinematography was great and everything. Very stylized. Uh, one of the things, if you were ever to watch the old Suicide Squad movie and go to this new one, you can obviously tell the one of the main differences is their use of color. Uh, the very first Suicide Squad, the whole story took place pretty much at night, except for the opening sequence where uh, everyone's getting introduced. Um, the stylization was sort of all over the place. It was really only used in the introductions where everyone sort of got their cool like opening cutscene that shows who they are and you know who caught them uh, and sent them to prison, that kind of thing. Uh, but James Gunn's is a bit different. Um, he does a lot of his stuff's a, a lot more colorful. It's a lot more vibrant uh, in more ways than one, which is definitely really nice. Um, and uh, there's also a lot of parts when he's transitioning scenes or when he's trying to show uh, time passing or you know switching from one group of characters to the other. He does the thing where he sort of puts that text of like 20 minutes later or six minutes beforehand. He puts it in the scene in some way that sometimes makes sense, sometimes doesn't make sense, where like there will be a bunch of driftwood on the beach that spells out, you know, this is, you know, this is what the Suicide Squad is doing. Or there will be a, uh, there will be smoke billowing from a fire that says, you know 20 minutes later that kind of it it's it's very subtle he didn't have to do that he could have just thrown it on the screen and we all would have been like oh yeah okay but the fact that he kept it in that stylized fashion is um it's definitely fun it definitely um lightens uh lightens the mood a bit at some points and it's like oh cool that's um that's really good and going back to the characters again um uh, and I said I've said this a couple of times before already. The the main characters are done very well, mainly because the old Suicide Squad movie tried to make at least like two or three of the characters of the cast. They tried to give them all their own big, you know, dramatic story where we have to we have to follow along their character arcs and see them all get resolved at the same time which can be very muddy uh, in any genre, any sort of uh, movie franchise. It can be very hard uh, to start multiple character arcs at once and then especially try to resolve them all in the same movie. This one sort of gets away with that almost by doing it in percentages where they say, okay... 60% of the story and the backstory and everything is centered around um, Idris Elba's character, but, you know, 20% goes to, um, 20% goes to, like, Margot Robbie's character, 10% goes to Ratcatcher 2, um, this, you know, this percent goes to, to Peacemaker, that kind of thing, and, uh, and you can tell the difference. So, for example, one of the beginning scenes we see uh you know we see Idris Elba's character Bloodsport talking with his daughter from prison you know and that's that's where they hash it out and yell at each other and you can tell there's tension between them and you know they sort of hate each other um and then and then from there it's like all right now the main story starts because uh because Idris Elba now has to become the leader character in order to help his daughter. Um, and so he and he gets sort of the most of it because not only do we get that stuff at the very beginning, but also near the very end when, you know, they sort of come out as heroes in the whole situation. Um, his daughter gets to see him be a hero, and that's sort of helps resolve the whole thing of like they're patching things up or he's really improved um he starts off not being or not wanting to be a leader saying i can't be a leader um and you know being very reluctant about it but near the end he's like all right now i'm going to lead the charge um and uh you know it there's some really good cyclical sort of themes and motifs 
that start at the beginning and uh, go all the way through to the end that sort of put that uh, all together. Uh, Margot Robbie's uh, Harley Quinn gets a bit some character development, not necessarily backstory, um, but she goes on her own sort of misadventure in the middle of the main plot, which it helps move along the main plot as well. Um, but you really get to see the sense of um, how unhinged Harley Quinn is meant to be. And, you know, I think that's one thing that um, sort of people didn't like about the first Suicide Squad with Harley Quinn is that she was she was all over the place in terms of tone from being either very serious and sentimental to being very crazy um, and it just it didn't come across very well also that character was heavily dead set or attached to the Joker character which sort of derails the whole plot in and of itself um, which you know is can be very distracting uh, but this one there is none of that you know she's her own character she goes off on her own adventure and ultimately gets herself out of um, any jam that she finds himself in without the help of any other characters um, which is it's very much on brand for the character of Harley Quinn uh, but then there's also the things of you know we get to see the difference between you know what is you know is her character mentally unstable enough or not and we do get to see that there's a really great action scene where it's just her fighting against a bunch of guards and instead of it being this bloody mess it turns to a bunch of flowers with you know uh, a great part of the soundtrack being played um and that it that's a very good way of showing just you know what her mental state can be like it, during those moments it reminds me of um it reminds me of a um back, back when i played a lot of team fortress 2 um there was they had you know these sort of short videos that they would um, to introduce the different characters and show you a bit of their backstories or personalities or whatever. And they did one for the flamethrower character who's called the Pyro. Um, and people were waiting for that because it's like, well, you know, this character has no face, they have no voice, they don't, you know, you know, what's their backstory and everything. And, you know, it's this funny juxtaposition of on the outside, he's, you know, a malicious arsonist who, you know, hurts people and tortures people. But then they just the juxtaposition is that inside their head, it's all, you know, gumdrops and lollipops and, you know, uh, you know, upbeat music. And, you know, he's not hitting people with an axe. He's handing them a lollipop or whatever. And it, it was very fun at the time, but that's one of the first things I, I realized when seeing that scene. And so ultimately, I thought uh, they did um, that character really well. Um, there, there were some in, there were some interesting uh, twists in character. Uh, the big reveal, I guess, I'll spoil for everybody here, is that uh, John Cena's character uh, ends up sort of turning on the rest of the team. Because um, he was, you know, he was told by Amanda Waller uh, to destroy any evidence of the U.S. government being involved um, in this situation, whereas uh, Rick Flagg and everyone else uh, sort of ultimately wants the the story to get out. Um, and so he ends up uh, fighting Rick Flagg and actually killing Rick Flagg, which I think uh, may have shocked a lot of people. It definitely shocked me. I didn't think they would, you know, they would uh, kill off Rick Flag like that in the movie. Um, but then uh, Peace uh, Peacemaker ends up getting, uh, you know, ends up uh, dying at the hands of uh, Bloodsport in uh, a really nice sort of quick draw scene. You know, very sort of western. You know, and the and it's very great because it's I don't know why because in any other film especially an action film like this I feel like they would have made it to where because the building up through the whole movie 
Idris Elba's character and John Cena's character are like at each other's throats because basically they're the same kind of character in terms of skill. Like Idris Elba is a really good mercenary who has an arsenal of weapons that he uses to kill people. John Cena's character does the same exact thing, just a bit different. It's just, you know, their their motivations and you know are are the different thing, and they you know sort of butt heads with each other throughout the entire movie. And so I feel like a lot of action movie directors would have had the big fight at the end be between those two characters where it's this big, drawn-out, prolonged thing where they each use different weapons in their arsenal to try and get one up on each other, and eventually, you know, one of them comes out on top. But uh, what I like that James Gunn did is, I want, and I wonder if he had this thought in his head of saying, this is not the important fight right now. The, the big alien monster taking over everything is the big fight to worry about. This is definitely something that needs to be addressed right now because otherwise it, you know, otherwise the the characters will die basically. Um, but this isn't this is not meant to be the climactic moment of the uh, of the movie, um, and so they do just a very very old west style quick draw. Uh, they each shoot. Um, one of them is, you know, one of them. Uh, hits has a better bullet than the other basically and you know that's the end of it and Idris Elba ends up winning uh, which it's it's very it was very simplistic but at the same time it uh, it was a great scene and I I loved all of that um, and how it was resolved um, one, one thing that um, my my buddy Aaron and I were talking about which kind of um, which we didn't hate, but we didn't also enjoy a whole lot, was how some of the characters uh, went out, because a lot of the main cast ends up uh, dying. And honestly, you can sort... Honestly, when you see the ones that are left standing, it makes a whole lot of sense, because it's the literal title character. It's like literally the the flagship character, the one that's on all the posters... Um, the fan favorite, uh, the, you know, innocent sort of moral lead, and the funny little, uh, and, you know, the funny CGI monster man that's been cracking all the jokes and being the comic relief, um, while also being a, a murderous shark, you know, those, those are the ones that survive, everyone else is, everyone else is dead, and we both, we both didn't like how, um, how our one of our favorite characters, Polka Dot Man, died because he didn't, you know, he didn't get to go out in sort of the blaze of glory that a character like uh, Ric Flair did, um, or even even the way that Peacemaker did. And Peacemaker went out with some, you know, with some flair as well. Uh, he sort of gets crushed, I think, mainly mainly for shock value, uh, which is a shame because you know. I, you got the feeling that his character arc uh, did get fulfilled, and then literally ten seconds later, he just gets squashed, and that's the end of him. Uh, which which is a real shame because uh, I liked I liked that. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was. Um, but yeah, going through it, there were a lot of good moments, a lot of good sort of iconic things. You can definitely see the. Um, you can definitely see again the influence that uh, James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy had on this movie as well, and because everyone in the main main cast is almost beat for beat like uh, the other characters um, from the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, you know Chris Pratt is sort of this. Um, sort of this daredevilish type of character who uh, is a reluctant leader doesn't really reluctant leader doesn't really want to do have anything to do with all of these guys but they are all sort of brought together under you know circumstances of survival um you know margot robbie is or margot robbie's uh harley quinn is 
basically Gamora, I guess, um, even though there there's not any like love interest story, which I appreciate because it's that kind of thing can really derail a, a, a movie like the Suicide Squad. Um, so I would call Harley Quinn uh, either a Gamora or maybe more of a rocket raccoon. Um, rat catcher, uh, rat catcher would I think would fit more of Gamora because there's a bit more history there. She's a bit more of a moral center of the group. Obviously, King Shark is the same as Groot. You know, they each have the same amount of lines, but they but they each contribute uh, a certain amount to each other. Um, I guess, and Peacemaker would probably be associated with Drax, which I guess is fitting because they were both uh, pro wrestlers um, at one point, and uh, you know, and they were acting out the roles as sort of the meathead guy who gets a lot of work done, but is very single-minded with their goals. Um, so yeah, it's it's you know, there's a lot of influence uh, there. Um, but there was so there was so much to enjoy about it. Again, the action was good. The story was uh, was well made and easy to follow. Um, you know the the scenes the scenes where there's tons of tension and everything um, everything gets pulled off uh, very very well. There's really not too much bad stuff I can say about it. So uh, I would say if you have the chance to to see it and you haven't seen it yet and you or a loved one is a big uh, DC comic fan, you should definitely check it out. It's a very, very fun um, it's a very fun thing to see. Um, it is definitely rated R, so you know, don't let your seven year old watch it. Um, because I know it's easy to just throw on like a Disney Plus and let them watch everything, but uh, I don't think this is the best thing. Like literally last night I went to a family gathering and uh, a one of my very, very young cousins was telling me all about the Marvel what if stories that uh, he's been watching on Disney Plus. And of course, there's the Marvel zombie one, which to my knowledge is extremely bloody and horrific um maybe they toned it down to be more family friendly i don't know but uh yeah it's don't don't let your kids watch this uh watch this movie um if they are extremely young um because the gore and the violence is pretty over the top um but i I think that's i guess that what's that's what makes it a good uh a good movie compared to the older one too because the older one there really wasn't a whole lot of blood and gore and violence you almost got the sense that they were just trying to make it more pg-13 so that they could reach a, a wider audience and get more kids in there and everything um, which you really can't, you really shouldn't be doing uh, with content like the Suicide Squad. But yeah, again, I can't recommend this enough. So definitely go out, check it. I hope some of the stuff I talked about made enough sense and made you guys want to um, watch it yourselves. Now, at the top of the show, I was kind of talking about how, you know, I was, you know, trying to change. I was thinking about changing stuff around and coming up with new ideas for the show. And the reason behind this is that I decided to start an sort of an online class. Um, you know, I started enrolling into an online class that's all about podcasting, and is going to spend a couple of weeks of just sending me YouTube videos mostly and going over, you know, uh, what you know what it means to be a podcaster and go over the things like the brainstorming and how to make an identity for yourself in the podcast world, how to sort of get your big break out there, um, and also, you know, what what to include when everything is going on. And the reason I do this is because I really do see myself doing this more, uh, more as a full-time hobby, uh, especially if I start getting more viewership out there, which I'm hoping to learn as well as to help uh, make it grow. But one of the things I've been struggling with with this podcast, and you all can probably see it just by looking at uh, the subject matter I've been covering, is that I've kind of been all over the place. I haven't been able to sort of tie down 
uh, what I wanted the show to be because I, I want to talk about everything that interests me. I, I want to talk about the video games I like. I want to talk about the movies I like and the shows that I've been watching. And But I also want to, you know, cover some more serious stuff. I, I like educating people about the things like the logical fallacies or how the vaccines work. And, you know, I, I, I've, I have a lot of interest and passion in that, too. And I also, you know, I have a lot of opinions about social justice, just like everyone else, especially everyone else my age. I mean, I was literally part of a uh, a learning community my first two years of college that was the leadership for social change like that was you know it was everyone sort of living on the same floor of a dorm uh taking a bunch of the same classes that have to do with social change issues so it's you know it's sort of a it's sort of been a, an important part to me uh, especially with everything that's been going on. That's how I, it's one of the ways I cope is to sort of help spread the word. But um, but that stuff is all over the place and it's hard to go week by week and, you know, come up with, do I want to make something political? Do I want to make something educational? Do I want to make something, you know, I, I need a bit more structure in in this and honestly probably my life in general, but let's start small with this and you know see if I can make it grow and so I debated a lot of like am I just going to start from scratch and make a wholly nerd you know just a wholly new podcast about nerdy stuff or the political stuff or anything like that I didn't really want to do that I do you know mainly I like the title you know it's got that it's talks with Terry it's three words it's got its alliteration in there and I can throw my little Terror Bear logo up on there and it's great um and, you know, I'm perfectly fine with that. But uh, as far as, like, trying out, you know, so I don't, I didn't want to change in the name, but, you know, what was I willing to change and what was I not willing to change? And so I, I'm not going to change anything because the people there that, you know, my friends and family out there who are listening to this and who do end up listening to this, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to have to tell you guys to say, hey, I gave up on that and you know I'm gonna do this other thing and so go and watch and also I don't want to do that because some of you uh some of you really like listening to my more serious topics and some of you seem to like my nerdier stuff a bit more so I want to diversify and be able to cover everything because at the end of the day I I want to do this for fun and I don't want to be just a one-trick pony on this kind of thing and um and this is where I'm going to give props to my uh, cousin Rachel because we were talking about this and she sort of threw out this really good idea of um, making sort of monthly topics, you know, monthly themes. Um, that's something that uh, one of the podcasts she listens to does. Um, but that one seems more of like a, a spiritual wellness kind of thing where it's you know, this month's all about love or courage or perseverance, that kind of thing. But I was like, huh, I feel like I can do that. And I feel like I wouldn't be the first to do that either because podcasts do that all the time. One of my favorite podcasts that I listened to, the last podcast on the left, which is all true crime and conspiracy theories and, you know, macabre stuff that's out there, you know, they kind of do that. They kind of do that kind of thing. But they mainly do it around, like, October for, like, Halloween. You know, they cover a lot of the spookier stuff. And so I've, I think that's a really smart idea. And so I think I'm going to do that. I'm going to start in October. I'll do what everyone else does in October and really start to cover the, the spooky-ooky stuff because I, because I like talking about that stuff, too, and I really haven't done that in a long time. So... Um, that's what I that's what I'd like to cover. So I just wanted to let you guys know that there are there are probably going to be some more changes I'm going to make to the show, especially as I keep continuing on through this online class. But um, I'm not I'm I've decided I'm not going to start completely from scratch um, unless this whole thing just ends up going into a complete dead end, and I do need a completely fresh start. But I think what I'm doing right now is fine for the amount of work that I've put into it. And, you know, maybe in the future I'll be putting more work into it so that I can get a bit more listenership. Um, 
But until then, Talks with Terry is going to do what it's always been done. It's going to be me uh, sitting in my room, currently in my closet, to see if I get better audio. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, it's going to be me talking about stuff, and hopefully anybody out there uh, can enjoy listening to it. Um, it's going to allow me to get some stuff off my mind and, you know, get me off the TV every once in a while. And uh, But that's, you know, at the heart of it, nothing's going to change, but... I'm just going to have to, you know, move some priorities around and make it work. So the next few episodes I do will probably be of the same vein as they have been in the past, where I'll just talk about whatever interests me during that week. Um, But once October rolls around, I think that's when I'm officially going to start the whole, um, this whole process of, um, of themes, like monthly themes. And so, you know, one week I might talk about ghosts, one week I might talk about, you know, horror movies that I've been watching or something, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, if that's something that interests you guys, I'd love to hear any feedback. I mean, half of you know me in, you know, real life, and you can just text me about it if you want. Um, But if you're not, I mean, you know, email me, talkswithterry at gmail.com. Uh, I'll, you know, I'll check it out and see what you guys think about it. And I hope I can uh, continue to do this and make it something a bit more professional and uh, something a bit, you know, something I can be proud of a little bit. And I'd love for all of you guys to sort of uh, follow me along in this journey as well, if you can. Um, so I've been talking for about an hour now. Um, so, but with all that, I just wanted to keep you guys updated on what's going on with the show and let you know that that's why things have been wonky and that's why you might see some changes coming up um but yeah that's what's happening but we're still going to be here on talks with terry um every week or other week if if things get hectic and we're still just going to be talking about the stuff we always do so thank you all for listening i I hope you've made it to this far, and I hope you make it to the next one. And, you know, if you haven't, I hope you go back and, you know, see if one of the other episodes, you know, catches your eye. And, uh, you know, feel free to like it or share it. Send it to whoever you think might enjoy me rambling into the nothingness. Um, But, yeah, other than that, thank you all so much for the support, and thank you for listening. And I will see you all on the next episode.